You're listening to the Make Life Epic Podcast with Jim Simcoe. Thanks for being here today. Let's get rolling with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Make Life Epic Show. Today, we have an incredibly awesome guest. Uh, this woman's just fantastic. Heather Havenwood is here with us today. So, Heather, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. awesome. Good, good, good. Thank you for being on the <laughs> Epic show. All Epic, Epic all day. Epic all day. Epic all day. It's a beautiful morning. So uh, our schedules worked out so we could talk this morning, which was um, and it's seven o'clock my time. Thank God I'm an early morning person. Yes. Thank God for me because I'm not. <laughs> oh, are you not? No, no. I'm not. Oh, no. I'm you... like, so 7 a.m. is not a good time to talk to me. Really? See, I'm that that's that's a might be a travesty in my life because I'm, I'm probably the best between like 530 in the morning until about eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. that's definitely that is an odd for an entrepreneur. It's super strange. It's so strange. And then I'm like and then, you know, like the rest of the day, I'm pretty good, too. And then yeah. and then and then I, you know, sort of around 1030 at night, I'm just completely useless crashed out. Yeah, I right get on. that. Right on. Cool. So tell us, so, you know, I went through your, I went through your site and, and, you know, I don't yeah. usually have other people who are coaches online uh, sure. on the show, but your stuff is so interesting and has such a great, I, I think has such a great message. And I think so many of our, our listeners are really going to dig it. So can you tell everybody what you do and, and uh, uh, kind of the people you work with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Well, right now I have I have three different businesses online, right? So, um, but when I work with clients, I'm working with clients that have some kind of online presence or none. Uh, sometimes local business, but more importantly, my focus is information marketing. Okay. Um, but those principles can be spread out into different kind of um, companies. But I work with them to take their an idea possibly to growth and actually making sales, what I call making your first dollar, or I actually, they have some kind of momentum and like, how in the heck do I scale this thing? You know, so I work with them specifically um, on their marketing, email marketing, promotion. That's my thing is how do you, how do you sell the widget, right? right. So my focus is the sales Right on. That's side. Cool. Yeah. And it's cool too, because the very first, uh, our very first meeting, uh, yeah. they actually gave me some advice <laughs> in, the first, think, in the first email. And it was great. I was like, I was like, holy shit. Like she just brought up two things I had never thought of and that are really important. And let me go fix those right now. You know, but as someone who sees that, it's like one of these, you know, I don't want to step on the toes. Like, you know, I'm not saying anything's wrong, but I'm like, hey, I'm always looking for, because here's the point. I'm always looking for how, when you're doing business with the world, what's the best way to do it? What I call serving it up to people, making it really easy to do business with you. Right. So that's what I was just pointing out. Like, hey, if you do this, it's like really easy to do business with you. And so when pe- that happens, because people are lazy, right? So when you serve up the pizza and like bring it to, not only bring it to their house, like put it on the table for them, yep. people go, oh, yeah, I'll do business with you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Nobody's, I, I would think that um, being a t- pizza delivery guy has got to be the best job in the entire world because everybody's always happy to see you. Yeah, like, hey, dude. Hey, you were, you're here. So yeah, so seriously, the, like the advice you gave me was okay, fantastic okay. just because, you know, I hadn't thought of it and you're like, hey, just do these two things and this problem goes away. And I was like, wow, okay, that's fantastic. You know, that's, that's wonderful. Thanks for being open. Oh yeah, super. You gotta be, you know, like I'm, I'm reading this really good book right now called Ego is the Enemy by mm-hmm. Ryan Holiday. I don't know if you know him or not. He wrote um, mm-hmm. uh, The Obstacles Away. Anyway, he, I was literally just reading it this morning. And yeah, you know, you got you to gotta kind of get out of your own ego and get out of your own way to if you want to really help yourself out. So, Jim, I don't have an ego. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what are you talking I about? Do. I, I do when it comes to football. I, I do when it comes to like things that make no sense at all, like how I play on the football field as a 46-year-old 
guy in a league, you know, that maybe on the, on the basketball court, but. Uh, Wear know. extra pads and a big helmet. That's what I would say to that. Yes, yes, yes. My friends on the football field already laugh at me because I'm one of the older guys. So, but, you know, okay. it is what it is. All right. So tell, so, so you work with entrepreneurs yeah. and, and, and so tell me, you know, if you had to boil it all down, cause we have yeah. a lot of entrepreneurs who listen in. Sure. What, what, what problems do you solve? What, what are the biggest problems you see entrepreneurs have? And then how do you attack that problem? Well, you kind of just served it up for me. So thank you. Actually, what You're the welcome. biggest problem I see in entrepreneurs is they don't solve problems. Okay. Right. Really? Right. So it's kind of turning on your head. They don't actually look at what is the problem I'm solving and then focus on that one problem. Let me give you an example. Yeah, I'll give you two examples in like what I call real world, not like esoteric stuff. Right. So, uh, there's a company called skinningbeam.com. It's actually a company that, um, I co-own with my boyfriend, but when we first got started, he literally, you know, my, boy, my boyfriend's great. He's a chiropractor. He's amazing. He's a healer. Okay. And people can relate to this. They're really good at one thing. He's a healer. He's a chiropractor. He's like good at that thing. He is the best. He used to work for the Dallas Cowboys. So he, like, he's awesome. However, in the world of selling something, right. like he just goes off the like cliff. Boom. Right. So he shows me this, this product. It's like this, uh, does machine. anyone ever tell you, I hate to interrupt you. Does anyone ever yeah. tell you like, wow, Heather, you're just not honest enough. You really just kind of beat around the bush too much. I'm shy. Yes. Yeah. I could tell. <laughs> yeah. They're Should really coming through. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So, uh, he shows me this machine thing and he says, well, it's really cool. You lay down and you lose two, 10 inches in 30 minutes. Okay. And it's sitting there collecting dust. Okay. And I'm like, hello, like th- this is great. Right. And I tried it and we did it and I'm like, okay, I, I, I didn't believe you and I tried it. Okay. Look, it works. And it's been sitting there for, it was like there six, seven months. And he's like, Oh, it's going to make money. Have you ever had that? Like a frame, like, Oh, this thing, yeah. look at this thing. It's going to make money. And it's like, I have so many friends. Like don't that. you have like 10,000 in your garage and no one's ever bought. Like it was kind of one of those situations. So I said, okay, give it to me. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to create a whole business around this. We call, I called it named it skinny beam. I branded it. Here was the problem. The problem was because this machine was as a laser light has all these different things that helps you with, right? It helps you with, uh, you know, fat, of course, and it helps you with skin tightening, blah, blah, blah. I go on and on. It doesn't matter. So the point was I go, yeah, focus on one, 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 go, yeah. go one inch and go deep, deep. I said, okay, lose two to 10 inches in 30 minutes. Boom. That's our tagline. Go, go, go. And so, we, I, the, the other thing was people didn't believe it, right? Cause I tell you that sure. you're like, uh, uh-huh, whatever. So you have to visualize it. So I created these videos where you see somebody laying down, see someone doing it. And then you, we actually had a real IFBB pro do it and she lost 2.5 inches. And so it was like real. Everything was like really raw, real and I uh, put it up, started doing the marketing, promoting it. We had, we, for the last year, it's been around for a year. We just had our year anniversary. Uh, we just came off a three month waiting list. Wow. Yeah, we went from what is this thing collecting dust in the closet to literally, I'm not kidding, three month waiting list. We're about $40,000 a month in sales right now. Oh my God. So, yeah, that was from July 4th of last year because that was the day I like, exploded it. And then we're now talking right now in, into July 2016. And so the, here was the pro, here was the like, here was the thing. And then I had to work with him on how to not tell the clients everything it does. Right. You focus on one thing, one thing, one thing, one thing, and then just go deep. Now, 
we had clients go, oh, look, it, it tightens all that loose skin on my knee. Well, yeah, but they're already in there. So it doesn't matter at that point. You know, like, sure. yeah, you already have a client. You already have an appointment. Yeah, if you want to, you can tighten that. You can tighten your stuff like your, under your neck, blah, 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 blah. So that's the point. The second second case study, I just had a conversation yesterday with my friend who's an acupuncturist, and he does this all this neurofeedback stuff, okay? Okay. Same problem. He's got this really cool chair thing, neurofeedback thing it right? Right. And I'm like, okay, is what the is the technical it? term? Is the yeah, no? If he heard me, he would be like, oh, cringing in his seat. Like, what do you? It, there's a name for it. Anyway, I said, what does it do? And he's like going on. You know how it is. Like he's just going on and on. I came and listened to what he's saying. I said, okay, does it help people overcome anxiety? He goes, yes. Okay, does it help people overcome uh, insomnia? Yes. Okay, stay there. That's it. Just stay there and just, just go two deep. key points. Yeah, two. I gave him three. I gave him because it helps with ADD too, right? I said ADD, anxiety, depression. Those are words people understand and they help. This machine helps it with that. That's all you need to say. That's it. So the question, the answer to your question is the problem with entrepreneurs is they know everything about the thing. Right. And they want to sell people on everything on the thing. And right. you can't. It's like, one thing, two thing. Now with him, I'm like, you can do three videos on each and SEO the heck out of that. And you're saying the same thing over and over again, but you're just one's anxiety, one's depression, one's ADD. And then I said, now you just triple that and say kids, kids with anxiety, kids with insomnia, kids with ADD. Now you have six you know, focuses, but it's still the same focus. You're still getting that same client sure. trying to overcome the same thing. So that's the answer to your question. I see entrepreneurs, including myself, I want to tell you everything I know Right, which right. is like a lot versus saying, I can help you with email marketing. That uh, one thing, and then we have the conversation about that or whatever. Right. So uh, that's I think the biggest challenge for entrepreneurs as we most of us are ADD or ADHD or whatever you want to call it or just yeah. really what I call is really really smart. If you're ADD, I'm like, whoa, you're smart. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you're ADHD, you're whoa, you're really smart. If you're hey, not, you're a genius like me. Yeah, exactly. If you're not, I don't know to tell you. You're normal. You're boring. I don't know what to tell you. So. I think, honestly, entrepreneurs, the problem with us, we have a lot of ideas. Right. And so the challenge is, is to, what again, one of my mentors says, go an inch wide and go like 10 miles deep. Right, right, and right, right. If, right. If, then if you hit bottom, then go another inch, you know? So the yeah. millions of dollars is in the 10 miles, 10,000 miles. Huh. I like that. I like that. So tell us, so, okay, so tell me a little bit about your background. So where did you grow up? Where, you know, what was high school like for you? I mean- you know, we're Facebook friends and I saw some pictures of you and it, did you used to be a fitness model or a fitness, uh, like a bodybuilder competitor? That was, well, it used to be, I'm not that old. It was last year. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I have no idea. No, I didn't. Okay. I, didn't I don't know. Okay. I'm cool. No, no, it's great. I'm laughing because I'm like, I'm what? assuming you're a thousand years younger than me because most people are when I talk to them on the, on the, on the podcast. Uh, no, I'm not a millennial. I'm, I'm proud oh, to wow. say I'm hashtag not millennial. Ah. Oh, nice, um, nice, nice. I'm not. I actually turned 41 last month, and on my 40th birthday last year, I walked across the stage in a tiny little bikini and asked people to judge me in my figure competition. And so, wow. uh, my boyfriend's a bodybuilder, powerlifter. We work out five times a uh, five times a week, um, every single Monday through Friday. Um, and uh, so, last year on my 40th birthday, it was like on my 40th birthday, which I think oh, is wow. an, that's like insane. the day. 
right. was Saturday and that day was the competition. It was like super weird. And so I thought, well, what do I want to do for my 40th birthday? Yeah, I want to get in a tiny little bikini and I get, I want to get all tanned up and I want to walk across stage in these big old freaking heels and then ask some people to judge me. Yeah, wow. that's not smart. So I did. <laughs> and I'll probably do another contest here um, another year. But the key with that is it's um, – and I think some people find this kind of collapsing – as uh, yes, I love it. I love working out. It's kind of what I say by passion. However, I'm a big believer in keeping your passion your passion and not making it your business. Now, right. some people like go, <gasps> "What?" Everyone well, tells tell me. me tell me about that a little passion. bit. I'm, I'm curious of your perspective on that. Tell me a little bit more about that. I'm not a big fan of like live your passion and uh, make money at your passion. I just I don't like that. Here's why. There's some people, their passion is helping kids or helping dogs or whatever, right? Or fitness is another one. Is that then they make it their life, like their everyday, and it becomes a grind and it no longer yeah. becomes that passion, right? And I'm not saying it has to be completely, uh, what I call, unseparated, but I just want you to get that Living your passion doesn't mean that you have to work in your passion. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because you almost I, can't – sometimes you can't enjoy it as much then. Like I, I think of like – you know, if I think of the passions outside of my family that I like to do, it, it would be surfing, playing football, you know, like those kinds of things. And, I, you know, I wouldn't want to do them all the you – know, like I wouldn't want to do them all the time. Like I had a chance to buy a football uh, – like a tag – or a – uh, flag football league several years ago. And I, and I was like, wow, like, if I did this, I would be really you know, involved in my passion and I would love it. It'd be so great. And I thought about it and I was like, you know what? I don't like, I want this to be something I really enjoy. I don't want this thing to be something that I'm just grinding at, you know, for work as well, you know, where I can't get away from it. That just would seem like it would suck. Yeah. There's definitely a distinction, right? So like in the world of, let's say for sports for a second, cause it's a good one, sports, football, whatever the good people that, well, I mean by good people, the people that are good at that business know that it's a game. It's just, it's just, it's business, right? It's business. It's a game. There's a purpose. There's a reason they don't get all tied up in the emotional part. They look at it as a business because at the end of the day, football is a, the NFL is a business. Yes. Okay. Dallas yes. Cowboys, they suck. They still make money. I'm not sure how. Okay. I'm a big fan yeah. of Dallas Cowboys. I'm, I'm still over here going, how do they make so much money? And they suck. Yeah, anyway. They, uh, I used to be a huge Cowboys fan when I was. What do you mean huge? Come on back over. Yeah, I can't. I'm a Patriots fan. I'm from Boston. Are you kidding me? We're so used to winning championships and everybody hating us. That oh my I'm just, gosh. I'm Listen to you. Listen to you. Yeah. We're so used to winning championships. Well, I'm telling you, That's right now like I'm a sitting. Punch. Yeah, yeah. I, so right now I'm sitting in a room. I have one, two, three, four, five. I have five things on my walls within five feet of me. That I have a huge Gronk fat head. I've got <laughs> and three or four other Patriots things just hanging up in my office. <sighs> yeah. So I'm from Boston. You know, we're all crazy. We're completely crazy. I have to get off the podcast now. Yeah, you I, anti freaking Dallas. You left us. Yeah, okay, I, I understand. Actually, there's a lot of people leaving. <laughs> if it was for the Dallas Cowboy Chillers or smoking hot, I'd be like, I'm leaving too. Right. Um, right. I'm born, raised Texas. So oh, you were okay. Yeah, that was my question. So, and so, were you born and raised in Dallas? No, I was born and raised in Houston. But we don't talk about that. The Oilers are gone, and the Texans suck. So we just all like go to Dallas. <laughs> That's smart. That's smart. You know, yeah. you, know, you got to have your team. You're like, why not? Stay, we why do. Not you know, it came from. I really wasn't a big football fan growing up, but I. Uh, but then I kind of had this reminisce to it when I was older, mainly because my grandmother, my grandmother was a freaking huge Dallas Cowboys fan. And I didn't really realize it 
until it's older because in you know every Sunday she'd be in her chair, you know, the chair, the grandma chair. Yeah, I can't wait. She, I can't wait to have that I chair. Can't have when chair. I have, I'm a grandfather. I can I'm like so looking forward to that. So she had her chair, grandma grandpa had his chair. And she'd be like, we got to get to church. We got to get home, honey. Grew up very Southern. We got to get home, honey. I got to watch my boys. Oh, and so she would awesome. be like, mm, it's honey. I let the, you know, the, she would tell me, okay, I made your lunch. It's over there. Now I got to watch my boys. Shh. <laughs> I'd be so like, what is great. grandma doing? She's watching the Cowboys. Like oh she would God, watch so them. Awesome. So awesome. So yeah, I think it was kind of in my blood. So of course I'm a Cowboys fan. That's awesome. That's that was fantastic. back in the days when Troy Aikman was there and we actually were winning championships. Well, it's funny. It's back then. Um, and this is just a kind of a funny tangent that we're going on. Back then, I was a huge Cowboys fan. And I remember I went to the Super Bowl in Phoenix where they played wow. the Steelers. Um, and I remember, like, I just was like, you know, the price of the tickets at the beginning of the weekend were around three, four hundred bucks. And towards oh, yeah. the end of, the, you know, towards the end of the weekend, the, the game, they were, I want to say, like, twelve hundred. So, so still not, not a lot of money, but I was like 23 at the time. And I remember thinking like, I'm going to spend all my money on these tickets and I'm going to eat, I'm going to have to eat macaroni and cheese for the next three weeks or, you know, the next three months to do this. And I did it and it was a great experience. And I remember in the fourth quarter when Pittsburgh was making a comeback, Dallas had the ball and I was like, Hey dude, you guys have to score because like <laughs> I'm eating macaroni and cheese for the next three months. I live in LA. I flew, you know, came out here to do this. Like you have to win. I can't go to the Super Bowl and see my team lose like that. I just can't have that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So, and luckily, they won. So Luckily, they won. Good. See, now going back to the passion, though, that was something passionate. You enjoyed that process. Yes. If yes. that was your business, it'd be a different – you'd be looking totally at the different game deal. differently. Different deal. You know, and I think that's part of it. Like I think a Troy Aikman or some players that were around back then or whatever, and now they are, they're still around because they know it's a business. Right. This is a business, and they know they have a shelf life as a player, and so they moved into different stuff, and they know how to work the game. The, what happens is you see this all the time is players – have this passion, passion, passion for it. And they don't look at it like a business from the beginning. And they don't think, oh, I only have a shelf life of, I think it's average like five to 10 years, something like that, depending. Right. And then they don't save or whatever. Next thing they're on the streets afterwards. Yeah. And, they're, oh, they're and it's mess. poor me, poor me. And I'm like, they didn't, it's like they didn't think of it like a business. They got involved in the quote unquote passion piece and just loving the game versus actually going, well, this is a business. I right. can only be so young so long. I'm going to get injured. What does that look like? I mean, so you have to actually think of it like a business. That's why I think I'm collapsing it. So like my boyfriend, he is a huge passion of working out. You see him, he's all ripped and he's a powerlifter and bodybuilder, but he's a chiropractor. He's very good at a, being a chiropractor right. and the modalities and being a businessman inside of that context. He even said, he goes, I don't ever want to, you know, yes, do I want to become in nationals of bodybuilding? Yeah, but I don't want to go... I don't want to collapse my money with that. Right, right. right? I don't want to collapse, collapse my, oh, I now have to eat fish every day and blah, blah, blah to to get to that level so I can make money. It just really messes it up. Right. And I think that's what I don't like that whole, um, it's kind of like a, a fad right now of like live your passion and make money in your in your passion. I disagree with that. Even I have a business coach, of course, and 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 she's got this huge passion for artists, and she just loves art and and dogs, and she has a ton amount of uh, energy to be able to put into what I call a volunteer work and helping artists and dogs, all this stuff. Right. But she's a business coach. She makes really good money doing that. <laughs> right. And so then she can then actually help people. Right. Like kidding. Like buy a ten thousand dollar painting. 
that helps an artist, you yes, know, it does. but if she can't help herself, she can't help others. And I'm giving you an example of that. So y'all can understand that. So I'm a big, um, I'm a big anti passion live by your passion only kind of, Yeah, thing. that makes sense. That makes sense. Right. That makes and sense. I'm like, put a damper on people like, Oh my God, <laughs> I bought all those books. Speaking of books, okay, so this is the one topic I was really, well, one of the topics I was really interested to talk to you about. So yeah. you're a pretty, pretty awesome author and have published some books and have, have published a couple of bestsellers. Tell us about the books. Tell them, I want to hear your, uh, I want to hear about Sexy Boss and the other stuff that you got out on, on Amazon and I'll link to it on the show notes too. But yeah, guys, listen, Heather's awesome at this stuff. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate that. Yeah, you can go check out Amazon and just type in um, Heather Havenwood. So, so basically, I started a business in 2008, 2009, uh, teaching men how to date women. So there's a bunch of books on there, like how to pick up women and uh, dating after divorce and all these different books on that, speaking towards specifically men okay. about how to communicate to us, right. the female side, the other side, right? So how to communicate to us, how to get us, <laughs> how to like all that pieces, how to attract us, all that kind of world. Specifically geared towards what I call men who, let's say they got married when they were 20. Right. And then they they come out on the other side around, around, let's say, 40, and they have like one or two kids, and they have these things called assets now. All these assets, they have a car, and they got a house, and they a got job. money bank and a job. Yeah. And they're like, wow. Uh, dating is kind of different because I met my wife like having a beer at the pub. You right. know? <laughs> so how do I do this thing called dating? Um, that was the the focus. That's my what I call one inch, and I go deep on that. So that's one business. The other book is Sexy Boss. So Sexy Boss, um, the tagline is how to uh, how the empowerment of women is changing the rule book for money, success, and sex. Now that book was my what I call my coming out party. And what I mean by that is. Um, I have a lot of skin knees and, and broken bones from being an entrepreneur. I mean, sure. I failed a lot. And there was this persona that I was constantly feeling like I had to have that like I had it all together. And I'm like, I do not. I have failed. I've succeeded. I have failed. I've succeeded. I've went through massive bankruptcy, massive foreclosure. And I literally was me, my dog, and a cell phone in my truck. I mean, that's all I had for good two or three years, three, three years. And I feel like I just needed to share that. And so one of my uh, mentors, Joe Sugarman said to me one day when I was visiting him in Vegas, he's like, you know, over his salad, we're having salad. He loves to go to a salad place in Vegas. There's beautiful places in Vegas and he loves to go to the salad bar, which cracks me up. And he's like, you know, you're like a sexy boss. And I was like, oh, well, okay. He's like, well, you're the boss of your life and you're really going after one, but you're, you're a woman and you're sexy. And I just kind of had this, da-da, put it together, and now we trademarked it. So part of that process was, well, I'm going to share my story. Well, what is my story? Well, you got to be really raw about it. Right. So I did. I was really raw about it. And it's really my story. And, and people always ask me, because I come from the internet marketing space, well, did you take your book and like, you know, push it to number one bestseller. You know how they do that? Like, let's yeah. make it number one bestseller. And everyone push it. Jim, will you push it? Jim, will you push it? And I, I just, I didn't want to do that. Right. So I that really sounds thought, lame. I mean, that just oh sounds, I mean, I just published a book and like, that's all the advice online. And you talk to other people like, yeah, get other people to push your book. And I'm like, well, that just sounds lame. I, okay. Yeah. You did come up with that. So I, you know, it's different advice. I'm coming from a different place. It, it's totally your choice. But I think for, for me, it was like, I just wanted to, like a birth of a child. I just wanted to get it out. Right. And I wanted to do it good. And so I did. I From zero to 90 days, it was the moment of the concept, writing it, editing it, getting out, 90 days, plus an audiobook. Wow. And then I got it out. 
And then did I promote a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, social media and like some friends, of course. But I didn't ask anyone to promote it. That's what I didn't do. I didn't be like, we can push it. I didn't do that. I just put it out there. And then I let it be. And now three years later, we're talking 2016 right now. I published that in November 2013. Earlier this year, I was on the phone uh, like this, talking to someone who he was, she was going to interview me. And she goes, oh, by the way, congratulations on having your book number one bestseller. And I just kind of was like, oh. You're so sweet. Like it's it's not. It's okay. It's not. She's like, no, it is. I'm like, no, it's it, it it's not. You know. And she's like, no, it is. And she sends me this screenshot, and I'm like, oh my god. You know. That's so so great. Yeah, it is great because it was natural. Right. You know, it was it was literally done from a place of other people were whatever sharing it or whatever was going on, and it just had this. Oh wow. You know. Wow, that's really cool. And then I could put that out there, like I'm an Amazon bestseller naturally. <laughs> Can I have so that awesome. Amazon bestseller naturally? That's um, so great. Cool. Yeah, so, so, do you and do you enjoy the process of writing? No, <laughs> I, I don't. You know, I write a lot, but I don't enjoy the process of writing because when I was a kid, I failed second grade spelling. I was told I really suck at writing, and my mom helped me had to write help me write all my uh, book reports. Wow. So I don't, I'm not, I don't consider myself a writer. However, the stuff I'm good at, I'm good at sales. And so therefore I'm good at copywriting. Right. Like I enjoy headlines and classified ads and create emails because it's all this, it's a sales conversation. Right. So that to me, I, I, I'm good at. So my book, uh, is a, is like a conversation. It's a conversation piece. And I, I have to say someone who you're an author now, I highly suggest doing an audio book. Yeah. I do suggest you being the voice of it. Being the voice of it versus hiring it out because it's your story. Sure. However, I will say, as a caveat or a little side note, it is one of the hardest things I ever did. Yeah, it seems like it would be hard. I mean, it's you it know. was hard. Here's why: when I went to a guy here, this is all he does for a living: is voiceovers and does audio. He's got a little place in his house. He didn't know me. I walked in. I heard he he did Joe Vitale stuff. And I, you know, I'm green. I'm green. I like what I call green behind the ears. I'm like, hi, I want to do my audiobook. I'm an author, you know, and he just had this, okay, how am I going to tell this girl? Like, this is not going to, you know, he had this like, this isn't going to go well. This isn't going to go well. And he goes, he even said, I'm not going to take your, I'm not going to, I don't want you to hire me. I want you to go home and think about this. Like he said, he was like, I want you to come. This is really This is why they have professionals for this, you know? And I, I was this, oh, no, I want to do it. He's like, okay, here we go. It took me almost six weeks because I could really? only go. Yeah, here's why. I could only go in once a week, mainly because he said, you're only coming in once a week. That's what he did. And then he goes, you're only coming in for an hour and a half max. I would do it for about an hour, hour and a half. I would come home because I would do it in the middle of the day. I did it on purpose in the middle of the day. I would come home and freaking crash. Really? Because there's a couple things going on. One because right now I'm having a conversation with you. What's up going on in my head? I'd say it. Sure. When you are in front of the script and you have to say every single <laughs> word, and then you have to say it not like you're boring as crap, you actually have to have some emphasis to it. And then on top of that, what really messes you up, it's your own work. And yeah. so you're judging it and assessing it. Oh, and God. you can't Sounds edit horrible. it. You can't edit it. It's done. This is out there. There is no editing. You just say it. And then you have this guy, because he was the producer, in your ear. And if you miss one word and uh, the, uh, the, whatever, right. he'll be like, do it again. Do it again. Do it. So it just, ah, 
like you can't it's like that so you literally are reading in these little pieces i come home and just pass out so uh but i have it out there you know yeah, do you now do you get much um from the audiobook like you get oh, LTs, yeah. With Audible. What's so cool about Amazon? I mean, nowadays you can connect it to Audible and um, I'm 100% royal. I have all the royalties and anybody that comes in, I get it. I mean, I'm not getting millions here, you know what I mean? But um, I get $100 a month maybe from it. That's cool. That's yeah. That's yeah. Right. And I'm okay with that. For me, it's like, hey, it's my voice out there. Right. And um, it is my story. And I like the fact that it is my voice. However, I will say that Tony Robbins, he does a, um, he's a, he's, I could, he doesn't do his own audiobooks, but what he does do, and this is a thing you could think about, he has a voiceover who reads the book, blah, blah, blah. Right. And then he adds his own, like on chapter one, he'll go into his little blah, 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 spiel yeah. on the audiobook. So you get like the boy and voiceover dude, and then you get Tony Robbins. On the audiobook, and I'm like, okay, that's a bad idea. That's not yeah, actually that was not a bad super idea smart because we both know Tony Robbins will go off script, right? Totally. So, totally um, yeah. But tell me about the premise of Sexy Boss because we we talked about this a little bit before about being a strong woman and being a strong woman in uh, in the workplace and how that can be how that's perceived differently a lot of times than how men are perceived if they're if they're super strong. Oh yeah, absolutely. We call that a, um, with a man could walk in the room and he looks like James Bond. You know, and he's like, oh, who's that? And we call that dapper and charismatic. Right. Mm, who's that guy? Oh, I want to talk to him, right? Uh, charismatic energy. We call – actually what that is is a thing of Grow Ranch, Napoleon Hill based on that. It's called sex transmutation, meaning someone who's high energy or as Donald Trump would say, low energy Jeb Bush or something like that. Right. Um, Jeb Bush does not have high sexual transmutation energy. Donald Trump does, just someone to put in the real world today. But um, it's someone that comes into a room. There's that energy. For a man, we call that dapper, charismatic, leader, cool, whatever. For a female, there's other words with which be plus which. Okay, we call that's what we call it because there's like she thinks she is coming in here, and we don't as a society have like a difficult time with that. We're still we're still moving through that process. I think we got better, but we're still moving through that process. Who she is to look amazing, own her life, own who she is, own her energy, maybe make her own money, right? On top of that, like, who do you think she is, right? But as a man, it's like, oh, I want, I want to meet him, right? So that's the challenge. And I experience that personally. And so many times in my life when I walk into a room and um, full of men or women and the women will shun me, the really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Women are the worst against other women. Don't ever want anyone ever tell you otherwise because they're full of S. But uh, now they might take time to like, you know, come towards me over time. But immediate? No, they're like, who do you think she is? They'll talk behind your back, blah, blah, blah. And they'll judge and assess really quickly. Men, they're like, oh, oh, she's trying. I don't want to talk to her, but I don't want her to think I'm like trying to hit on her. I'm just curious who she is. They'll do that kind of thing. Right. So uh, approaching them and making them feel comfortable is one piece. So sexy boss is this. Sexy plus boss. So the sexy part is what I call sex transmutation based on the book Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, which is the concept of we as human beings have this thing called love. Is our highest energy we have love yes. and sexuality. Okay, so animals have 
sex to procreate. We have sexuality, very different. It's a love, it's sexuality, it's a different energy, it's a higher level of energy. We have that ability to emulate and, and own that piece of us. And that's what attracts other people to us or from us, rejects it. Someone who's what I call pushing down their sexuality and constantly repressing it is right. someone who you're not attracted to. Okay. That's because they haven't allowed that piece to come out. So females that allow that piece to come out and uh, own their sexuality, not repress it, not wear, you know, big bandanas or big things over the boobs, whatever, like cover themselves up, then we're attracted to. So that's sexuality. That's sexy, the sexy part of the boss. And then boss, for me, is owning your life, whatever that looks like. You could be the boss of your own business or not. You could just be, the, you know, a wife who's owning yourself as being an amazing mother and the CEO of your family, right? Whatever that is for you, owning your health, owning your life, owning your words, ownership of yourself, full, full responsibility of is a boss. That's, That's I awesome. I love that. I love <laughs> that concept. That. I think it's so cool. I mean, I, I worked in you know, law a thousand, a thousand years ago, I worked in the corporate world and, and I still, I see it in the world, you know, in other interactions today where it's like, kind of like to your point, you know, a woman walks in and if she is assertive and like kind of knows what she wants and is, 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 you know, ready to roll, other people get, you know, get threatened by that and they'll call her a bitch or, you know, like, you know, you know, they'll say all these different things. And really it's not, it's, I just, I, it's such a double standard because if a guy oh, comes very. in, yeah, if a guy comes in the same way, they're like, oh, that guy knows what he wants. And so we really need to take him seriously, which, right. it, which is a freak. I mean, that's just a joke. I mean, and like as, and especially as a guy who's, you know, I've been married for almost 14 years and I've got two daughters. Like I would hope that there'd be more. Uh, I would hope that our world would a little bit would be a little bit better because I selfishly have three women that I care, you know, many women, but three women that I live with that I care a lot about. And I want the world to be a better place for them so that they don't have to deal with the bullshit that I've seen my whole career and that you've, it sounds like you've seen, you know, a lot of times, yeah. that, you know, in oh, yeah, life. absolutely. And it's, um, it's really not about empowering women. <laughs> right. It's about explaining that to women and, uh, empowering men to be with it. Right. Because yes. it's just new. So, yeah, that's what the book is about. The book really is about my coming out story as, as a sexy boss. I call it from bankruptcy to sexy boss. It's my journey because uh, I'm a um, I guess my confession to you in the world is before because I, I had a business went from zero to a million dollars and I did very well in the real estate industry. Mm-hmm. But I can honestly say I was a biatch. Right. Yeah, I was. I felt like because I was surrounded by men, I felt like, well, I have to be like them. So I had to be aggressive and I had to I felt like I had to be and emulate them. Um, I wore I have big boobs, by the way. I I I had to wear big suits had to cover that up. I wore turtlenecks. Right. I, I had my hair real brown. I didn't wear a lot of makeup. I was trying to cover up the body. And be like them so that I could be, t- quote unquote, taken seriously like them. Interesting. But now, what I didn't understand, and now I do, was I was really kind of repressing, was repressing, repressing, repressing my sexuality based on my energy, based on my charismatic conversation, and I was killing myself. It wasn't helping me. It was hurting me. Right. I didn't understand that because I grew up in a very male space, you know, and so I just, well, they're winning, I'll emulate that. I mean, it's all we know to do. So that's why during my bankruptcy and foreclosure where I was kind of stripped down literally to like 
I didn't have anything. Right. To how do I rebuild myself? And that was kind of my journey of, of, in, in just esoteric sense, going into my femininity and being like being me, you know. And then from there, I can also say now, all my success comes from me being me, not trying to be like another creature. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, this is who I am. And it comes from a more powerful place. And I wear skirts and I wear heels and, you know, whatever. And I just was at a mastermind this weekend and it's me and 10, it was me and 10 guys, 12 guys. I can't remember. I forget, you know, it's like men versus women. I don't even, I forget because I've been to this mastermind so many times and um, it's always just me and the guys. Right. But I don't, I always wear skirts and I wear heels and I get them all dressed up and they get all like, oh, you know, they always laugh. And um, I just, I be me. You know, I'm a. I'm not trying to be like the guys, right? That's and awesome. That's awesome. That's inside the context be. of men, yeah, that's how it should be. But it took me years to get that. Yeah. You know? Well, hopefully, I'm. Ho- you know, I'm. I'm hopeful and optimistic that society is changing a little bit, and so that you know, my daughters don't have to go through that, and other people don't have to go through that. Because I mean, like, I, I look back and 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 then I want to get into my next question, but I look sure. back on my career and I never had to do that. Never. I never once thought about how I looked. Or, or once thought about like, oh, how am I coming into this room? Or do I need to cover up, you know, <laughs> my body or whatever? Like, I it just, I just was never remotely in. the It's realm. always on the top of brain for females. Oh always. That's just a lot. That's just a how lot. do I look? How do I not look? Judge, assess, judge, judging themselves, having people judge you. Am I being taken seriously because of what I'm wearing? I mean, it's just constant. So yeah, men can just, I mean, cause a good example of this mastermind, let's leave it as that is all these guys show up cause it's a mastermind. We're like hanging out in Austin, right? Everyone looks like crap. They're all like tennis. They all have like flip flops and like, right. you know, a beat up shirt. It looks like they barely even like roll out of bed and I'm all dressed up. Why did I do that? Not, you know, other than just cause I, this is what I felt good in. It's yeah. what I felt good in. You know what I mean? It was like about me. Yeah. Oh, it's not, it's not about them. It's more about, it's no, about it's not like who, I, being true yeah, to yourself. I looked cute and pretty with my hair, you know, because oh. I don't know. Cause I wanted to not. Because I'm trying to impress them. Believe me, you know my boyfriend was there, and he looked like crap too. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so all right, so I want to ask you this. I always ask people, you know, what is your why? Like, why do you do what you do, and what inspires you to do it? Like, what are the why do you do this? Okay, so I feel like there's a particular answer I'm supposed to answer to that. No, give me the real answer. I hate it when people just give me the particular. You know the the. The Tony Robbins answer? I don't like, want the Tony Robbins answer. Okay. I want the Heather, the Heather Havenwood answer. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the answer. So I think up before my bank, it was before BK and the after BK. Before the BK, I was like everybody else. And it was just like all about the American dream and, um, you know, making money and climbing the ladder. Ah, and I want to be successful. It was kind of ego driven, I guess, right. you know, um, because I feel like that, that's what everyone's doing. So that's what you do. And plus, I was in the in the real estate industry, like I said, uh, the buy and sell real estate, not the uh, realtor side, the investor side. Gotcha. And it was uh, very competitive and very red energy and rah, 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 just lots of that. And so uh, that was the space I was in. And it was all about the money. It was all about the money. Like, how much money are you making? Oh, I made $100,000 in this last year. How much money are you making? It was, that's all it was. So I felt like that's what you did. Um, and there was that. So once my BK happened foreclosure and I actually moved to Marco Island and looked up into the ocean, that was a question I had. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Why am I doing all this? What, what is this all about? I mean, that's all those kind of questions that came up a lot. Right. Because there was this, I was kind of paralyzed. I was like, I didn't really want to go back into that game, but and I, I got to make money, yeah. But 
I don't know. Maybe I should just live on the beach and be a waitress and screw it. You know, it was kind of like, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Right. Here's here's where I got to the answer. And and, and you'll get it. I want to explain it and I'll explain it really short as much as I can. Sure. Sierra Marco Islands, gorgeous islands. On the where is that? I don't even know where that is. Okay, imagine going to uh, Florida, the very bottom, beyond Fort Myers, beyond Naples. It's under Naples. So is it in it's, the Keys? It's 90 miles north of the Keys by boat. Okay. But to get there by car, it's six hours. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So it's basically close to Keys by boat, but by car, you get all the way around. All right. Gotcha. So it's literally one of the closest islands to Cuba, right? So it's gorgeous. It's two miles by three miles. It's tiny. Oh, wow. One it's way small. on, one way off. Yeah, there's nothing on this island except houses and one Starbucks. And nice. three, three Walgreens, three, one, oh, two, geez. three, because the average age is 80, 80 years <laughs> old. So you can get the world. It's gorgeous. And everyone's on like life support. Okay. So, um, and, and I, I mean, in a loving way, by the way, of course. So here I am. I'm like one of the three people on the entire Island that are in the thirties. And, uh, what is there to do on an Island all day? Starbucks. Now, it's not like a Starbucks like in New York where people are in and out, in and out, in and out. No, people go to Starbucks there and then they're there all day. What else are they going to do? Like they're all retired, right? So I hung out there a lot and I didn't have my computer. I would literally, people would just talk to you. You'd walk in and go, hey, what's your name? Come sit down with us. Like that's how they were because they're all bored. Okay. Right. Sure. So here's what I met. I met these amazing people. Here's what I learned. Imagine you're going down Marco Island Boulevard, and there's this boulevard. In the middle is this gorgeous palm trees, gorgeous palm trees. On the right-hand side is these towers, big condo towers, and they were right on the water. You can't even see the water because they're in the way. And one-bedroom or two-bedroom, one-bath condo is a million dollars, okay? Oh, my God. If you have more of a view, you get it's a $3 million. If you get like a corner of the water, you get a million. If it's more of the water, it's like $3 million, okay? So you get the world of that. Now, across the street, literally across the street, walk, 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 across the street, is what I call typical Florida um, little condos. Right. It's about two bedroom, one bath. Uh, you got an Oldsmobile outside, still in two stories high, and it's like, I don't know, 150 You know, typical Florida home right. with a patio and maybe... 1,500 square feet or something like that. Got an Oldsmobile outside. Across the street, the guy's got a, a brown Lexus. One's got a brown Oldsmobile. There you go. There's the world of it. Wow. And I thought to myself, okay, we all end up in a box. This guy's at a $1.5 <laughs> million pr- property. This one's at $150,000 property, and they live across the street from each other. Right. That's fascinating. Both have four-door cars. One's Oldsmobile. One's Lexus. That's interesting. So what is this all about? Us life. And I met this guy, and here's what I learned. The guy, the gentlemen, mostly men that I, I met, the gentlemen that I met that were maybe them 80, maybe they're 85, whatever, they just had this like vivacious of life, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, I'll get out there. I'm going to play try to golf today or whatever it was. They were always some level of an entrepreneur. Always. Yeah. They had some business they built or not, or they built something, they handed it off, whatever that is. They had something that they were really an entrepreneur in. Okay. Okay. The ones that what I call were government people that worked for some government agency for 25 years. And then one day they gave him a box and stapler and said, you're out. Right. They got to the island. They were cranky, moody, (laughs) and their health went to crap within three or four months. Oh, I bet. I bet. Right. Because 
they didn't have anything that they felt proud of. It was like, oh, I get it. It's not about how much money you make. It's about what you leave. It's about what you built. And so I'd have these stories with these guys and they'd be like, oh, I built this thing and it went great and blah, blah, blah. And then it crashed or I started this other thing and that happened well and then that crashed or it was like the roller coaster of life. They were so proud of the things that they had done and built. And that was my aha moment. It's not about uh, that much money. And yes, I'm all about getting chips and I'm all about making a lot of money. It's about what I build and through the building, I make money. That's awesome. I love that. So, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's fantastic. It can mean a lot of things, right? It doesn't matter like building like a house or building like sure. a real estate. It could be building a business. It could be building an entity. It could be whatever it is. But I really realized that's what it's about. And that was the moment I was like, you know what? I'm ready to get back on the horse. I'm ready to become an entrepreneur again because I – it's not about the one day I'm going to retire 55 in three months and get my stapler or go home. It's I'm never going to stop building. And that's what I saw most of these guys do. They were always into something, you know, some little project or some invention or doing the next thing or building something. They're the ones that were happy. Uh, they were the ones that were healthy. Right. You know, the ones that had nothing else. They just kind of... That's crazy. That's so cool. I think that that's, I think that that's so awesome. I mean, what a great, I mean, what a, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bummer. You went through bankruptcy and foreclosure to get to that, but I mean, it's what a great experience for you to be able to go to that Island and meet those people. I think it's, I think it's also an interesting way to look at things. It's like, if you're like, to your example, you're walking down the street, one house, it's all, <laughs> you know, huge, uh, you know, nice condos, nice cars. And then the other side, it's, 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 you know, uh, you know, kind of lower level or however you would say it. You, you're going to learn from either one of those experiences, right? oh my like God, whether you yeah. take a left and go into the small ones or you take a right and go into the big ones. And it sounds like you chose to go right and go into the big ones. And I mean, what a, it just, a, it's a great choice that you made during that time to really be able to grasp that and get into, and get into, you know, seeing how these guys are. And, and I would say like the people I know who are older, who are happy, they all have that. They all have legacy. They all have something mm-hmm. that they have built and something that they are something. proud of. Um, right. it, very rarely do you meet somebody who is, yes, I worked as a corporate bureaucrat for 45 years <laughs> and I'm and retired I'm now and I'm super happy because I pushed paper for the last 40 years. Like, right. like that just doesn't it's happen. Rare. I, mean, I, I don't know anyone who's like that. I, I like literally don't know anybody who's like that. And, and the people I find who are the most, you know, are the happiest in life as, as they get older, they're always entrepreneurs. And they're all, and they always have these kind of stories. They're always like, "Oh my god, I failed miserably and lost five million bucks, but then I turned it around, and now I'm worth you know a gazillion dollars." You yeah, know, like it's, they it's, had some kind of story to share. They were storytellers. It, I learned so much. It's like I had all these grandfathers, grandfathers, and grandmothers. Yeah. But I, you learned a lot. I learned a lot beyond that island. Uh, what I also learned is the guy who's in the one point five million dollar property, the guy who's one hundred fifty thousand. They all hang out together. No one cares. Right. No one cares. They're like, they're not like, what are you? What's your net worth, dude? You know. So I remember I had come from almost ten years in this industry of like, what'd you make in your last deal? Oh, I have this money. So here I am in this other world, and they're like, I don't even. I don't, you want to play golf? You play golf? Cool. Let's go play golf. Like, you know, like they don't That's care. Awesome. That's so what are you doing cool. tomorrow? Let's, let's go hang on the boat together. That's so you know, cool. There's no status. There's no status. It's just 
we're here as people. And so that was kind of so refreshing to me. No one asked me how much money I made. No one asked me, barely anyone asked me what I did. They didn't care. Yeah. That's so fantastic. I love that. I love that. That was nice. Awesome. All right. I only have a couple more questions for you. So this is, this is one I like to ask everybody, but so tell me two or three, why don't you give me two of your biggest heroes in your life and why? Joe Sugarman, he's a forward of my book. Uh, He's taught me a ton. He's also been there for me a lot. He's he's the one who created Sexy Boss. But more importantly, he always told me um, I failed more than I've succeeded. Okay. Right? And he gave me this permission to fail. It's okay to fail. And it's Joe Sugarman? Uh, Joe Sugarman. Yeah, he's an amazing copywriter. He's also the chairman of Blue Blocker Sunglasses. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Amazing guy. He also taught me everything happens for the best, not for a reason, which I kind of flipped flipped on my motto in my head. I always had this, maybe it was my mom who said it. Everything happens for the every everything happens for a reason. Right. He flipped it and goes, No, everything happens for the best. Because if you say the first one, your brain will take a tragedy and look for the reason. Right. Versus like with the bankruptcy, my bankruptcy is like everything happens for the best then you can move beyond and go something else. Right, 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 right. So, right. Was, uh, so he's really been a mentor and a friend of mine and just a, he's my hero. Cool. Anybody else? Not off the top of my head. No. Okay, good. Good, good, good. And I, you know, it's funny. <laughs> this is really funny. This is one of the things, and I don't know, you know, obviously we've never met in person and we've only talked on the phone sure. a couple times. But here's one of the things I like about you already is that like I give you a question and say, give me two or, your, two or three of your heroes. And you're so comfortable in your own skin and comfortable in who you are, you're like, look, man, I have one hero. I, I don't have to. Or I don't Do have I three. To? And so you're going to have to come up, you're going to have to live with my answer of one. And and for me, I'm like, Sorry. that's fantastic because I, I love it pe- for people, you know, when people are able to do that because most people aren't. Most people would sit there and I've had other people on this show who have struggled on that question. Struggled, oh, really? struggled. And, and I feel like texting them and saying, look, man, don't worry about it. We'll stick with one. You know, this is, you know, we don't have to keep going on this. All right. So, all right. So a couple other questions. So what do you think are the three biggest keys to having an epic life? Mm, Okay. So, um, sorry, it's quotes. I'll just give them to you in quotes. It's actually from a mentor of mine, Richard Flint. Um, But it's something I live by daily. And it's something I look at every day. So I'm going to turn my head over here. It is a life lesson. I call it life lessons of Heather. Does this feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? That's the first one. Uh, when you have an epic life, you're inside of clarity. When you're inside of clarity, you're inside of freedom. Right. Right. That's what every entrepreneur wants, freedom. How do we get it? Clarity. Right. So uh, release the confusion, go towards clarity. You get freedom. You have an epic life. That's how I see it. The other one um, is never keep anyone in my life that's not part of my fan club. Oh, part- I love that. It's a big one for me, especially during my bankruptcy and foreclosure. You see who your friends are really quickly. Sure. Um, when you have nothing, it's like, oh, I thought we were friends. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, you find out who your true friends are and who they aren't. And But more importantly, there's a difference between a friend and a fan. So let me ex- explain it, how it was explained to me. He said to me, imagine that you're in a, on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. Yes. And everyone in your life is there, family, friends, foes, whatever. Coworkers, um, he said, everyone's there and they're in either one or two places. They're either on the balconies, you know, throwing beads at you, going, Yay, we love you, Jim, you're amazing. Or they're in the gutters and they're pulling at your heels. They're either one or two places. I like that. And he's like, Doesn't want you to visualize them and you don't place them at an energetic level, they'll be placed. 
And it's true. And what the scary part is, is sometimes your dearest, closest family, they're in the gutters. Yeah. And you know it, you know, it, your gut's telling you and you, you don't maybe want to believe it or maybe you have a hard time swallowing that pill. And then you're just like, okay, all right, well, that's where they're at. You know, they can choose to be on the balcony. They've chosen not that space. So I get it, you know, and then what you do is it's not about cutting people out of your life. It's just putting them in that place of, okay, they're not a fan. Right. And then my job is not to turn them into one. So move on. Yeah. That, so that's the quote. I think that's part of an epic life because one of the worst things I did this myself is that you try to what I call uh, get people to love you, yeah. especially family. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to love me, love me, love me. What Please can I do me. to get Please your love? Me. Yeah. God, it's just a such a tiring life. And I did it for years and years and years and years. And I had to really swallow that pill. And once I once I let it go and focused on myself and focus on other people. And uh, then it was truly an epic life. The last one is looking on paper. It's right here. It's the selfish. Yeah, I want to say this right. I am the most important person in my life. This equals mature selfishness. Again, another one talking about the passion and people having wanting charity and all that. It's like, you cannot give to charity unless you've made money yourself. You've got to help yourself first. Yes. You've got to be what I call mature selfishness and help yourself first, help yourself first, help yourself first. Then you can help other people. It's like old school lifeguarding. I was a lifeguard. You cannot help someone if they're drowning when you're drowning. Right. Okay. But yet people try to do it all the time. Like, oh, I'm going to go help the world. Like, well, how's your bank account? Well, I'm broke. How's that going to work, dude? You know, so... Uh, how are you going to do that? You know, I, I, so that's part of it. It's mature selfishness. I love that's that concept. It. That's a cool concept. That's one of the concepts that got me out of bankruptcy. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Really did. Okay. So give me, give us a, a couple of, just a couple final thoughts for our listeners here. And then also where can, where can people find you online and get in touch with you? Heatherhavenwood.com. Okay. Uh, giving to your listeners, um, if you're in the United States, you can text the word sexy, S-E-X-Y, to 72000, that's 72000, and you can get three free chapters of my audiobook, Sexy Box. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. Okay, cool. And then any final words for, for the people today? Yeah. So, and does this, the first, my first rule, does this feed my confusion or strengthen my clarity? That's the key key that's really the key is knowing what causes clarity in your life and what causes confusion in your life right confusion means drama confusion means a lot of things confusion does not equal money clarity equals freedom clarity equals money clarity equals so many beautiful things in life and so you know focus on who you are and focus on what you want by creating the clarity in your life and you'll have all the freedom in your life as well as an epic cool life awesome heather this has been awesome thank you so much for being on you you're just fantastic you are just i just love your approach to everything i just think it's so cool it's so refreshing and it's so different and um i'll I'll put all the show i'll put all your links and everything in the show notes as well but just thank you for being here today you're welcome thanks jim Hey, thanks again for checking out the show. I really appreciate you guys listening in. Also want to let you know that my new book is out on Amazon. Can't believe it. Finally done after a year. It's called Hero Up. Unleash your inner hero and make life epic. You can check it out at heroupthebook.com. Heroupthebook.com. So check it out and I hope you dig it. Talk to you soon.